Oh friends, we are in a war for talent. The question is, should you hire for skill or hire for potential? This is the crux of what today's businesses are people to a podcast guest, Mike Seidel, is tackling as the workforce changes. The one thing that's not changing anytime soon? Businesses require humans. So that's what Mike, founder of Work Here, aka Pivot CX, and I aim to answer with what if businesses tapped into the power of an engaging experience. So much awesome is ahead in this episode as Mike and I dig into why hiring is a C-suite, not an HR issue, the reality of the demographic shift and its ramifications, the power of using human intelligence in hiring, and heaps upon heaps more. You'll soon learn that it is a fascinating time to be in recruiting and why some industries really do require human to human conversations in the hiring process. Afterwards, head over to the show notes for all the links mentioned in this episode. You ready? Let's go. Hello there, I'm Lindsay Harrell, your host of the Businesses Are People Too, a podcast podcast. As a brand strategist, mindset and behavior coach for quirky entrepreneurs, and a mental health advocate and speaker through lived experience, I am on a mission to bring more human back into our businesses and our communities. How, you ask? Why, by exploring the question, what if businesses realized that they are people too? Now this season, we go even deeper to explore what this question of business as a person means, further discovering what components, connections, and delicious nutrients these live entities need to thrive in today's business world. This podcast is for you if you believe in the power of listening for real human connection to then take action that matters. So, are you ready to hear what could happen if businesses realized that they are people too? Me too. Let's do this together for another awesome season of Businesses Are People Too, a podcast. Welcome back to Businesses Are People Too, a podcast. I am your host, Lindsay Harrell, and with me today is Mike Seidel. Mike Seidel is a co-founder and chief technical officer at WorkHere, a company dedicated to reducing the time to hire from weeks to days or even less. Mike is responsible for the design and development of WorkHere's conversational marketing software and services. Now, prior to starting WorkHere, Mike launched Indie Associates in 1998, Indiana's first digital advertising agency. In 2005, Mike founded Professional Blog Service, Indiana's first social media agency. And then in 2009, Mike joined Direct Employers as Director of Development and served on the HR Open Standards Board of Directors. While at Direct Employers, Mark helped and met, pardon me, while at Direct Employers, 
Mike helped build and manage over 43,000 job boards and career websites, as well as the National Labor Exchange, which connects all 54 state and protectorate job banks with over 20,000 private sector employees. Holy smokes. Now today though, today, Mike and his team are changing the way recruiting is done with improved engagement. Please join me in welcoming Mike Seidel from work here today on Businesses Are People Too, a podcast. Mike, welcome. Hi, Lindsay. I'm really, really happy to be here. I think that is one of the, the longest intros I've ever had anywhere. Thank you. Well, I just, I always like to give a little introduction of who the person is, uh, where your expertise come from, as it always guides that passion that we're about to talk about. And what I think is really good, uh, a good indication of your bio is that you have very clearly run a number of companies, and obviously the most recent of which is Work Here. And I'm just wondering, because recruiting is so important, you know, how have your previous companies actually influenced the solutions that you do today with Work Here and your team? In the past, um, I've learned just, you know, I've done five companies. Uh, so I've started five different companies. Some have succeeded and, and been sold. Others uh, I lost my shirt on. But the one thing I learned through all of them is people are the backbone of your companies. And the most important part of your company. So the longer I go at this, the more important talent is. And the more important I've learned finding the best possible people for the role. It doesn't matter if it's a programmer or a manager, executive, um, or even the person that greets people at the entrance in your office. Um, mm -hmm. Every one of those people has a really important role to play in, in your company. And hiring the right ones can lead to incredible uh, opportunities to advance your company and its mission. Hiring the wrong people um, can make you feel like a dinosaur stuck in a tar pit. Well, that's a lovely little visual. Hiring the wrong people can make you feel like a dinosaur in a tar pit. And nobody wants that. Yes, we all know that hiring the right people is important. And I absolutely love how you highlight, like from the minute someone walks into the door, I mean, you're introducing them to the business personhood. And so how are they being welcomed? But um, when you and I were initially connected to, to discuss what in the world are we talking about today? You made a, a, a brilliant comment about how hiring is actually a C-suite issue. And I thought that was so interesting, um, particularly for these larger firms where C-suites are not as involved with the day-to-day -day hiring. So I'm wondering, can you share maybe a little bit about why hiring is a C-suite issue when it comes to finding the right solution for the war on talent today? Because there's quite a bit of war on talent coming up. Yeah, with, uh, you know, before COVID, uh, we were already at it. Uh, one of the lowest uh, unemployment rates in history. So talent was hard to find before COVID hit. And for some industries, COVID gave everybody a year and a half off from the war for talent. And then in other industries, um, all COVID did is just make it worse because mm -hmm. the federal government uh, made it easier for people um, to, to get paid for maybe not having a job for a while. And so there's a lot of people that left the labor force and then a lot of people that discovered they can make pretty good money uh, 
in the gig economy and that kind of thing. So it's exasperated um, the war for talent situation for a lot of us. And now that the COVID era is really coming to a close, I mean, just this weekend where I live, um, they listed they lifted the mask mandate um, at, everywhere in the state. And so um, it was really weird getting used to the sight of people without masks on. Um, <laughs> it was still kind of strange. Um, and, and a lot of people didn't know what to do. Should I wear a mask or shouldn't I? But with all of that coming to an end, uh, we're all going to be faced with really an unprecedented talent challenge. And if you're, you're not thinking about this at the, the top level of your company, if you're not thinking about how do we hire people and how do we uh, make sure that we're filling our open positions, you're going to find yourself over the next year at a really big competitive disadvantage. Um, we see wages going up in categories where, where wages have been stagnant for 30 years. Um, especially kind of lower, lower end and entry level jobs. We're starting to see those go up so fast that the government can't raise the minimum wage quick enough to even make sense mm -hmm. um, in some cases. And, uh, and, and all of this is because of, of, of just one true, uh, one truth. And that's that um, we're, we're up against the, the a demographic shift that's going to be in full swing by 2035. And that's that, um, the U.S. population is no longer growing. We're kind of plateauing out and slowly approaching where we uh, just aren't having enough kids to, to have a positive growth rate. And, and that does have huge ramifications for you if you're an employer. Um, you've got to be thinking about how are we going to staff these positions? It's going to get competitive. Mm -hmm. So what... So I, so I wonder, you know, if they are thinking the, that question of how are we going to staff... What are, how are we going to staff these positions... One question that also then comes to my mind is, how will they even know what positions to staff in the future? So how will how will these companies know what type of talent to be keeping an eye out for, or or be looking for, or even nurturing within their younger within their younger uh, uh, team members today? Well, I think I think you've got a two two prong challenge for for employers. First off, I've always thought that the whole idea of knowing. What we're going to hire for in the future is really hard to do because we're barely good at hiring for what we have open today. Um, that's one one part of it. <laughs> so fix what's wrong. Uh, um, what's I broken mean, first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's that. Like, like, how do we just fill the jobs we have open today? The other part is that um, most of our, our our crystal balls for predicting the future don't work very well. And when I think through just the last twenty years, things that we've all missed. Um, who would have thought? Um, for example, like this whole internet thing, when it came out, would have caught on. And then who would have thought that mobile phones would have caught on the way that they have? I'm sure in retrospect, it's obvious, but every one of these, these changes in technology has made the predictions for the jobs of the future almost irrelevant overnight and, mm -hmm. and have led to real big changes. Um, we just went through one with COVID and the whole working from home thing, the whole uh, remote work piece has made it so maybe we, we aren't as location bound as we thought we are. That hasn't worked itself out in hiring practices and how people think about building businesses all the way yet, but it's going to lead to some change. So, um, you know, it's hard to know what you're going to hire for in the future. Um, one thing that you did say, though, that most companies really should listen to is the idea of how do you bring along younger employees? How do you bring along your employees and let them grow into positions? Um, I've built um, 
five startups and I've worked for two really huge companies that, um, you know, multi-billion dollar international companies. And the interesting thing was in the big companies, we always valued experience and, and people that had been there, done that. And we were looking for them to know how to do things already. The difference between that and the startups um, is that we're doing things in the startups that maybe nobody's ever done. Like when I look at my people at Pivot at, at, at work here that are working uh, on our, our chat product, um, there really isn't a lot of precedent for what they've done. And so I, there aren't experienced people that I can hire to be able to do that job. Uh, and what's interesting about it is that as our young people have been with us for a year or two, a lot of them have grown into where they have the capacity to train other people and to manage them. And it's really kind of, kind of cool to actually see a real career path for people. And I think bigger companies forget that bringing along their existing employees is really important. One of the number one causes of people attriting or leaving their job is just as simple as they can't get a promotion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and so, yeah, sorry. And that, that should be your big advantage as a big company. You've got plenty of places to promote people too. Uh, instead, we all, you know, a lot of companies have a philosophy of, hey, I'm going to look outside the company and try to bring in this expertise that honestly doesn't really exist. So that's really a culture shift that then has to happen. It is. And, um, you know, it's kind of interesting when you look at big companies, really big companies, uh, we'll mm-hmm. pick on Boeing. The average age, I think, of an employee at Boeing is like 54. That's not a sustainable number. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to be very hard to, to, to keep all those people on the payroll if they're aging out of the workforce. So. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of things we've done incorrectly over the years. And I think this whole talent war for talent is going to cause a lot of companies to rethink pipelining. How do we make it so I can hire somebody and retain them inside the company? How do we give our employees these opportunities to advance themselves without leaving, <laughs> without yeah. going to a competitor? Uh, you know, the easiest way to, to cut down on turnover is to cut down on attrition. And, and we all forget that pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as companies go and, and find their perfect candidate or find candidates, what do you think is more important? And so this could be very different though. So is it the hiring the right candidate in the first place, or is it retaining a candidate who may require more change, uh, pardon me, more training? And, you know, with that, is there actually a difference on your answer based on industry? I think this is, my answer is it depends on your situation more than more than your industry. Uh, but um, there is something that we could all really remember and, and 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 really think about, and that's that when we make a hire, we should really be hiring for potential. We should be looking at this person and go, what can they do for this company? Um, and sometimes that's not obvious. You'll have people that maybe are more experienced that could really bring a whole new dimension of know-how to your team. Um, I've seen so many times where people pass over an older candidate because they're older. That's the only reason you know, this person's older. And it's like, wait a minute, this person's at the point in their career. They really don't care, care about getting a bigger house. They already got the big house. They already got all the stuff they want. They're actually okay with maybe working down a couple levels, um, going back from being the VP of sales to being a sales rep. And they just want to coach a few people and mentor some people and bring them along. And a lot of companies, a lot of people that hire are like, oh, well, that person's older. They're bad cultural. It's like, wait a minute. Actually, this is great. You've got somebody that can teach 
all of your team a whole new bag of tricks and um, they're not worried about getting promoted. They're not going to be competing with people on the management track. Wait a minute. This might not be a bad thing. And then you see the flip side of that where we're real dismissive of younger talent or inexperienced talent um, because, and we see this especially in engineering and, and in uh, knowledge worker positions where we're not evaluating that worker's ability to learn and ability to solve problems. We're just going, how many years of experience with some technology do you have? And we're all forgetting that it's pretty easy to gain that experience. The hard part is finding people that can solve problems and finding people that are willing to learn on the job or learn on the fly in a lot of cases. And um, so see a lot of just really weird uh, outcomes from that where you end up hiring the wrong kind of people in a startup. You get a bunch of experienced people that aren't creative and can't get the startup to fly or we see big companies that um, miss out on opportunities to, uh, I just had one, um, where uh, we had a, a client of ours that uh, was looking for a manager for a branch at a home healthcare organization. And we had somebody apply who was out of industry. And um, one of our, our chat agents who was chatting with this person was like, this person doesn't have the requirements. One of the requirements is their last job be in home healthcare. And um, so the chat agent looked at the candidate and, and asked the question, you know, do you have any home health experience? And the, the guy goes, well, yeah, I used to be the, v, the regional VP for your biggest competitor. I left it two years ago to go get my master's degree and have worked these other jobs to pay the bills. I want to come back to the industry. And that was one where um, our team, we, we got a hold of our the recruiter at, at that company and said, hey, you got to talk to this person. And it ended up being a, a fantastic hire. But it's one of these things where, where we had, you know, there were these requirements that had mm -hmm. been created that prevented human intelligence from being used. And like, wait a minute, why is this person applying for the job? Oh, wait a minute, this person's trying to come back into the industry. They, this is this is like not a diamond in the rough. This is just a diamond, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So a lot of fun stuff happens like that, and uh, I think a lot of this comes down to we spend a lot of time building processes and automation and screening and that kind of thing, and don't spend nearly enough time thinking about the human side of of hiring and why we're actually hiring people and what, what we're hiring them for, which really isn't uh, all about stats. It's about, are they somebody I want to work with? Is it somebody our customers are going to like? Um, and, and more importantly, is this somebody that's going to be able to learn and expand themselves to do whatever we need them to do? How, um, how can you say, how can employee, how can potential employers do that then? Like, how can they assess Aside from that, oh, I like this person. Well, you know, be obvious, but how can they assess those? Oh, they have potential. I'll they, give you, yeah, yeah. I'll give you just a really wild uh, thought here, and that's that um, seventy-three percent of job candidates never get to talk to a person when they apply for a job. Hmm. So. A lot of companies have built these really elaborate ways to apply on the internet to a job. Mm -hmm. And they, they, so you go apply for the job and then nothing happens. You never hear from anybody. You might've been screened out by their applicant tracking system. They might have some AI that's going through and, um, you know, following whatever the rules are you gave it to, to screen people out. But at the end of the day, um, we're processing people uh, like we process chicken in a factory or something, and we're mm -hmm. not actually engaging and having a human to human conversation. So 
um, you know, it's kind of a ship's passing in the night thing where, where we might have had a great candidate come through and not even know it because nobody ever talked to that person and found out why they were so great yeah. um, as an example. So we're a real big believer in engaging with every candidate that applies for the job and talking to them. And it's a lot of why, you know, why I have the company I have right now. We, we have a whole system for um, using chat or SMS, text messaging, to start a conversation with candidates every time they apply for the job right away. And we're finding that, that that's transformative for a lot of our customers. They, they just weren't able to do that. And as they start doing that, they're finding that, yeah, they do have enough candidates applying for the job. They're missing an awful lot of really great talent that is already right in front of them. And more importantly, um, for the job seeker side of this, um, it's a much better experience to apply for a job and hear something back right away than it is to get a letter in the mail three months later that says we're not going to consider you for the job for reasons that we're not going to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, that's way, I, I feel um, like it's, that's so deflating, but at the same time, but at the very least, this allows you to move forward and continue in a much more aligned manner because you get to ask questions about the company you're applying for and understand, well, what is that personality that I, as a job seeker, am going to be in every day and yeah, I, get to, to have more con control. More one, of the, one of the things that, that people forget when they're looking for a job, uh, you know, like we all get caught up in our personal circumstances, you know, I need the income or, you know, unemployment's going to run out or, whatever it is uh, that, that's driving you to go, I have to get a job. The most important thing for a job seeker to do is to pick the right employer for their next job. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's so easy to, to you know, go, okay, a job is better than no job, but um, the, the outcome in your own life would be much better if your thought is, how do I get the right job right now, not just the most convenient one? And we, we see this so often with people that that don't work out when we hire them in our own business it's you know you made a you didn't choose a good employer for you we're, we're a startup over here we're getting really fast we don't have all the structure that you want and uh, maybe maybe you need to go work at a bigger company and and do something that that isn't going to um, be as uh, undefined that is such a powerful statement as well, because to the point of, you know, with more and more people learning what the gig economy is, having been off from work, they're learning, like one of the biggest questions that I get a lot is, well, how do you even motivate yourself during the day to do anything? And it's, well, I mean, this is my business. This is what I have to this, but I also have that flexibility because that works with my personality. Whereas I worked in a large corporation before where the structure, yeah, I could do it, but it didn't allow for that creative flexibility that was required for how I could thrive. And so that's such an important detail there is what is that environment that you yourself as a job seeker need to be able to feel fulfilled in your role, to not feel, feel, to not feel stressed out all the time. And because you're right, like for some, they need that structure for others. It's okay. We're just going to go. Yeah. Can you and, be and, in that? And you don't know that unless you talk. And here's, here's a little secret um, for, for everybody that might be a job seeker. That's the person across the table that you might be interviewing with. They have no idea what's good for you. They don't know. And unless you ask questions and help them understand what is good for you, 
they're never going to be able to say, hey, this is a great fit. Um, they're, they're only going to see somebody across the table that's, that's just interviewing. And, and um, that it's really different when you get someone who's really trying to decide, hey, is this a good employer for me? Um, mm-hmm. it's, a one, it's a wonderful thing because, A, sometimes the answer is no, it's not. And we all get to that conclusion really quickly. But the other side of it is sometimes we end up finding somebody that maybe um, because they're such a good, you know, their, their motivation, their intention, and what, what, where they fit is good. Um, I've had it happen where I've interviewed somebody for one position and go, you know what, I want you to talk to this, the manager of our client success team because I think that's the better fit than what you came in here for. And then they end up getting hired and, and you know, they're still here three years later. So, uh, you know, it's so... Um, easy to forget, you know, as a job seeker, make sure you're picking an employer that's a good fit, not just um, picking an employer that will hire you. So with that, then, you know, what is that best way or one of the, one of the vastly improved ways, I guess we'll say for businesses to find the right people today to support how business is now being done because it was being done quite differently. Yeah. So most companies now, when it, it comes down to actually most of their hires, they're going to come from the job board. Most companies are advertising on Indeed, LinkedIn, um, you know, it could be talent.com, something like that. But they're advertising jobs and then taking applications um, either through the job board or you know, on a career website. And then whatever information they're getting, they're doing some screening and putting all this in an applicant tracking system. And on average, uh, three weeks later, they're reaching out to the candidates they're interested in. Um, The first thing that an employer can do to transform everything about how they're hiring is get rid of the the three weeks of waiting. Um, So instead of engaging with the candidate after you thoroughly processed their resume for the 14th time and had three different people in your company go through the stack of resumes to figure out who you're even gonna interview, what we, we think you ought to do is um, somebody applies for a job, you ought to talk to them. And the way we, we think you ought to talk to them is uh, maybe with a conversation via text. And the reason for that is that uh, 91% of text messages are read um, within, I think it's three minutes of when they're sent. So um, if I send you an email, uh, 20% of those will be opened within 48 hours. If I send you a text message, 91% are going to be read within three minutes. So we, we know for sure people are paying attention. And if you engage with them right away, they still remember that they actually applied for the job. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Important piece. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if you really want to, want to, if you're really serious about filling open positions, we think the right answer is talk to people early. Um, when I started um, doing chat, the first thing we did at our company is we go, okay, it's uh, 20, I think we started doing this in 2017. And the first thing we did is we built a chatbot because I'm an engineer and, you know, it's technology. So, hey, you know, chatbots are cool. Let's make a chatbot. I spent a half million dollars developing this really awesome chatbot that was highly friendly and engaging and all that stuff. And I um, let it loose on unsuspecting job seekers. And um, it didn't work very well. <laughs> um, it, it really had no, it was tone deaf. It, it had a hard time understanding when um, somebody really needed help or 
somebody just wasn't answering or somebody had a question. Um, it just wanted to seek out its goal every time. So um, anyhow, the chatbot, uh, one day we decided to put it up against the interns. So it was chatbot versus interns who can get more candidates to go from applying for a job on Indeed to interview with a recruiter. And the interns won by a factor of three times. Wow. So we go, hmm, maybe talking to candidates with a bot isn't a good idea. Maybe if we put human to human contact in there, some magical happen. And so we really started working on the problem of how do we make it so every candidate can talk to a live human every time they apply for a job within a couple of minutes. And, um, you know, typically the conversation that our, our chat system uh, enables is answer some questions. Like a lot of people have questions about the job. What are the hours? Uh, you know, do they have a certain benefit? Um, one of my friends works there. You know, would I get to work with them? It's like crazy stuff that you would never expect in a million years to be asked. And, and by the way, that is one of the reasons why bots are really bad at this. They, they really struggle when you throw something like, my mom has cancer and I really need a job. Can you help me? Um, the human aspect. That's right. A little bit of empathy, um, a little bit of empathy. And then a little bit of intuition sometimes, you know, if somebody's applying for a job, a truck driver job, um, their resume says that their CDL license expired three years ago. Um, do you do the bot thing and go, oh, not qualified, don't talk to them ever again? Or do you do the human thing, which is you wouldn't have applied for that job if you didn't think you were qualified. So let me ask you, hey, do you have your license? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then of course, the person goes, yep. And then, you know, our chat system, we, we have the ability to take attachments. So sometimes we go, okay, could you confirm that by sending in a picture of your driver's license? And they do. And then they go on to interview for the job. But the important thing is to, to have a conversation with a, with a candidate earlier in the process. Um, what we found is that can accelerate the whole hiring funnel by as much as three or four weeks. And when you do that, the best talent hasn't already taken a job somewhere else. So you know, that stream of talent that you got, um, it, it has a shelf date, it expires, if you will. The faster you get to it, the more likely you are to find the really good ones. And, um, you know, back to making those good hires, those can be pivotal. Those can be uh, things that really change the nature of your business. And so uh, it's really important to get to people quickly right after they apply. Wow. I think that's brilliant. I think that's amazing. Um, coming from a recruiting background myself, just knowing how, how difficult it is to keep that engagement going and make them and make, you know, the field applicants, the, the job seekers feel heard and feel like they're being connected with the right opportunity, even if it's for a temporary time, but invested in their skills and them as a human. And same with the, the businesses coming in is they want the right fit in addition to the skills because yeah. Oh, well, nothing, uh, you know, just as kind of a big picture, yeah. uh, big picture thing. Nothing says um, we, we care about you more than being quick and, and having human to human contact. That's, I think the thing that we all look at, what is good service? Mm -hmm. What makes a good brand? Well, it's the fact that they are prompt quick. They don't have weird delays that cost me my time. And then when I do get a talk and interact with them, that is a positive experience. And I'm usually judging that by the humans I get to talk to, right? Yep. And I think one of the things we all forget in recruiting is that 
the experience we give people really reflects heavily on the brand that we're representing. And if I give candidates a bad experience, they will for sure remember that when they go to become a customer. Um, I, I mean, I can think back on a job I didn't get even when, when I was young um, with the phone company. And um, I do not get my cell phone from that company. Mm-hmm. And the reason is I didn't get the, I didn't even get an interview with them. <laughs> it's, I just got a vaguely worded letter and it was really nasty. So I'm like, okay, I, I remember that. And I think other people do that too. So, you know, the better experience we give people uh, early, even, even on a, something as mundane as you applied for a job, it really makes a difference in how people perceive your company. Do you have your act together? You know, what, what kind of company are you? Oh, you're one that responded to me. And even though I wasn't qualified, you told me, hey, you have to have a license you don't have, or I would, we, we require two more years experience that you have. They told me right away, I didn't have to wait three months for them to make up their mind. These guys have their act together. It, it really does make a difference. It does. It, it, it makes, I, I mean, it's such a small thing, but it just makes someone being seen and heard and appreciated for you know their interest or their time it's it's a huge thing and and to your point it will it will impact how they return as a customer if well and back to the back to the war for talent part of this okay so we're all all in agreement here that talent (laughs) is getting scarce right it's harder to hire people um maybe the best move isn't to use the cheapest thing available to talk to your candidates you know, maybe the best move isn't to just talk to them through emails and a chat bot, but a really, really cheap. Maybe right now, because talent is scarce, it's a good time to really look at how do we interact with these these candidates and how do we talk to them and make sure that we're, um, we're, we're getting every bit of value out of the money that we're spending to attract those candidates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, it's kind of common sense, but, um, you know, business is one of those fields where common sense sometimes is in short supply. I I love that you said that. That was just yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Well, it happens, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Well now, now my dear Mike, we have one more super duper fun question to have. Well, to go through together, but I'm wondering before that, how can people connect with you? Where can they find you? How can they learn more about work here? How can how can they engage with the engaging master? Well, the best way to engage, um, if, you, if you're interested in what my company does, um, the website is pivot. Actually, workhere.com works. We're in the middle of rebranding to pivotcx.io. Um, and the reason for it is the, the chat product we have has been so successful, we decided to name the company after the product um, instead of the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, so pivotcx.io is the website. And... Uh, you can always email me at mike at pivotcx.io. I'm really big into LinkedIn, so you can find me on LinkedIn pretty easily. Uh, mike Seidel, it's it's pretty easy. But I absolutely love talking to people about employee engagement and you know how we can really do better with uh, getting value out of the candidates that we're already getting into our uh, recruiting funnel. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you. All right. Now, We're going to play a little bit there, dear Mike. In your mind of opportunity and possibility, which I think we have all learned is vast, what do you believe would happen if businesses realized that they are people too? 
Well, first off, I think that business would, businesses would start treating other businesses much differently than they do today. We, we tend to depersonalize the competition and look at them as uh, um, things and, and things that are to be owned or to be crushed one or the other. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I, I do think that we would change how we look at the whole world of other businesses. The second thing I think we would change is how we think about our relationships with our employees. Um, right now, we look at it as, as a relation between a person and a thing. And that leads to some real uh, bad treatment on how we, we look at the employees. And, and a lot of times we start depersonalizing those employees because the business isn't a person as well. So I think we would really take more time to be more empathetic and treat our people uh, a lot better. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's great. And one thing that I believe you're doing is helping to bring that forth with the human to human connection of it's people with that businesses is they're connecting with real people and seeing the bigger personhood of that business through that way. So I, I think that's a beautiful thing that you're doing and a beautiful thing that you said as well. So thank you. Thank you. That's, that's hopefully the outcome that we're getting for our customers. That's exactly what we're trying to deliver. Excellent. Well, then let's do that, shall we? <laughs> Mike, this was just such a lovely conversation. I have enjoyed my time with you so, so much. Thank you so much for being here. And um, I look forward to, to seeing you grow. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. I really enjoyed being here. And uh, I, I really like the thought of thinking uh, about businesses as being people. That's a very, very powerful metaphor. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. feel free to use it my friend feel free to use it and to everybody else as always big hugs big love and have a most awesome day oh my goodness Lindsay here to just say thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode of businesses are people too a podcast it's listeners like you who are going to change the way business is done, bringing real human connection back into our businesses. If you believe that businesses are people too and are curious about how you can add more human into your business brand and values, then let's chat so you can take action that actually matters to you and your people. Simply email lindsay at therightharl.com or find me online at www.therightharl.com or quirkylindsayharl.com. And to never miss an episode of the brilliant minds we get to learn from, be sure to subscribe and listen on your favorite podcast platform. You know, either Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor. Of course, if you really enjoyed this episode, you would absolutely make my heart do a wee giggle if you left a five-star rating. Until next time, big hugs, big love, and have a most awesome day.